listen to the Jacksonville Jaguars with their virtual card program. In this follow-up broadcast, we'll take a deep dive into the control weaknesses that allowed this devious employee to cause havoc. Stay tuned until the end when we share some valuable tips on how you can protect your organization from similar insights. Um, this update includes issues that have come to light after our initial taping on this uh, topic. Lynn, I thought he manipulated various aspects of the virtual card program, yet he's charged with wire fraud and making an illegal monetary transaction. Can you explain that? I had the same reaction you did, Mary. I was like, <laughs> what is this all about? Um, you know, the wire fraud charge, I mean, basically just stems from the fact that he stole money. So I've seen this applied in other uh, card fraud cases mm -hmm. as well. So it's not that unusual. Mm -hmm. um, but what had stumped me initially was um, the other charge has to do with um, illegal monetary um, transaction. And, you know, the, the prosecutors or, or, you know, whomever's behind these, these charges, they were looking at, um, in particular, his purchase of that really extravagant watch, which, by the way, I've never heard of, but, you know, it was over oh, 90000 I've heard of it. <laughs> I'm not the fashionista, apparently, um, but it was over $90,000. So it was um, that purchase that he did through an online um, store that was based um, in a different state. Okay. And it, it just, it became like under the heading of interstate commerce. And so mm -hmm. that's what led to that other charge. Okay. So um, that's, that's kind of interesting. And I thought some of the things that he procured uh, were interesting. So what exactly did he get? I don't know if we even have a complete list. Um, yeah. I was struck by uh, the condo in Florida, uh -huh. which obviously, you know, this goes back to how did he do it? Because you're not going to purchase a condo with a credit card, a virtual right. card, plastic <laughs> card. Uh, but he got a condo, um, you know, it was the luxury watch, which um, we already mentioned. It was a Tesla um, sedan. Um, it was a, a Nissan pickup truck. It was a country club membership. He even bought cryptocurrency. Um, you know, sports memorabilia. Um, he did, what was it, spa treatments, concert tickets, sporting tickets. Um, I think he even retained a uh, criminal defense lawyer um, through these means. Well, that, that was pretty smart, that last purchase on his part. So, so I've read that uh, his lawyer has said that 99% of the losses were due to gambling losses, but $22 million was lost 99% of that is, I don't know, over $21 million. It seems like all the stuff you talked about um, was more than a million dollars. Well, I think it goes back to what you and I were even guessing before more details came out, mm -hmm. that he was likely using um, one or more virtual cards um, that he probably issued to himself mm -hmm. to go to these online um, gambling sites. Yes. Because um, again, you know, it's a virtual card. Mm -hmm. And by the way, um, this type of virtual card, you know, we mentioned in the first broadcast, mm -hmm. is pretty much like a, a corporate card, um, just in a virtual form. It's a different form than the virtual cards accounts payable might be using to pay invoices. Mm -hmm. So I just want to differentiate yeah. that. But he went to these online gambling sites, and I, I think that's how he was well, losing money, gaining money, um, getting cash ultimately to make these purchases. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about staffing. Um, in theory, this should have, shouldn't have gone on so long. Can you explain how it happened? Yes, in theory, you know, right? Uh, you know, and I think this is one aspect that every organization can certainly relate to. It was um, a, a change of staff. It was employee departures and not just one person, although I did read 
that even uh, the direct supervisor that he had um, left, it sounded like soon after he took this particular um, role within the organization. So um, that person wasn't replaced. And then there were various other employee departures uh, within the realm of the accounting department. And again, they weren't getting replaced. So they were short staffed. And I would then argue then clearly no one was looking at what were the duties all these different people were performing and where did it go from there? So when you start losing more and more people, then the controls that you thought you had starting out have suddenly disappeared. And unless you are doing, you know, like a regular risk analysis, risk assessment every year, um, you know, com uh, uh, coupled with uh, some auditing, process auditing, you may not even realize what has happened. Although when someone leaves, obviously someone should be looking at the, uh, the duties that they're leaving behind and figuring out what to do with those. So Lynn, I'm curious, um, do you recommend that when someone leaves a position like this that they, they do an audit? Well, I think that's a good idea, right. certainly. Um, but again, I think there should be ongoing auditing. I think there should be an annual risk assessment. You know, once you do you know, one risk assessment, it, it's a matter of updating it every mm -hmm. year. You know, uh, you've got a, a, script co a script to go by, so to speak. But mm -hmm. yes, when someone leaves, look right away at what they've been doing. Right, of course that, all right. So for those who are listening and watching and don't know Recharge Education's Lynn Lawson, she is one of the leading card experts and regularly guides organizations of all sizes on card program issues and best practices. And it's why I'm so um, thrilled that she was willing to come and talk to with us about this. So Lynn, I know you can block transactions on P cards. Can you give us some examples of what best practice companies typically block on their card, be they virtual card or a regular P card, and comment whether you think that would have helped? Well, first, you know, generally speaking, most card issuers will automatically block for you, for an organization, the categories that are really deemed high risk. And then from there, an organization can choose to block additional categories. And when I say categories, I'm referring to merchant category codes, also known as MCCs. And it's basically a, a number that represents the primary business of a particular uh, merchant. Uh, but there's really an inexact science to this. And as a prime example, um, I'm aware that, you know, one of the major online gambling sites it's not like they are labeled as a casino or anything you know, that screams a gambling at you. Um, rather, it is under something generic like digital goods, um, uh. some, something very just you wouldn't expect it. And so to your question of would that have helped? Well, maybe not, because not every merchant that you are purchasing from has a really specific merchant category code mm. that would scream block me. You know, I, I yeah. might be a source of fraud. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a good uh, control to use, but, you know, you have to realize it's not it's, perfect. Exactly. And people can go overboard in trying yes. to block everything. And then you start blocking some legitimate transactions, mm -hmm. which ultimately hurts your program as well. I would think that most companies would block uh, cash. Well, right. Cash. I would think that they would block casinos. But again, to your point, that would have to be the merchant category code that the online gambling site used. Um, probably liquor? Uh, yeah, and, and you know, again, it goes back to, you know, ask your card issuer when you are establishing a program, which merchant category codes, MCCs, are blocked automatically, and usually it is uh, cash, casinos, things like that, and then uh, from there work with them to identify other ones that would be best for your organization, depending on your business, 
to block as well. So to now stand up for them a little bit, for the, to stand up for the Jaguars, I'm guessing they probably would not want to block casinos because I think at least a few of the sports stadiums are located, are they located near a casino and they might be staying in the hotel? Well, right. I think, you know, in this particular example being the NFL, I mean, their travel um, could look right. very different from just a, a different type of business in, in their travel. Um, so, you know, again, we still have to rely on very good auditing to, um, you know, detect right. things that might be happening inappropriately. Yeah. yeah. So are there any reports that they could have pulled, the company could have pulled, maybe from the card issuer that would have helped uncover this faster? Well, you know, you hit the nail on the head again. You know, an auditor, someone totally separate from the person running a program, a card program, should be the one who is going directly to the issuer system. They have lots of reporting tools and pulling um, data that way. I think we even talked about that in our first podcast. So you do want to be pulling, uh, you know, the top suppliers used and you might be looking at cardholders, you know, so that's one. I recommend that again, someone other than the program administrator or manager be pulling every month a list of the new card holders or new cards issued or new accounts. Uh, you know, again, giving it a review, you know, to see if it's appropriate. Um, and that may or may not tell you something, but it's another thing to look at if you're not expecting, um, well, in this case, this gentleman, if you're not even expecting him to have a card at all, and he would show up on a new um, card or new account report, then that would be a red flag. You know, so that that's another one. And, you know, I recommend always, um, if an organization can swing it, using the help of some kind of third-party auditing solution to try mm -hmm. to you know uncover things. Um, and I don't know, we, we have a tip I know, Mary, at the end maybe for um, what smaller organizations can do if they you know can't afford one of these services. Okay, so before we get to other controls that should have been used, if you're finding value in this broadcast and or are interested in the most current best practices uh, impacting both the accounts payable and payment function, including cards, please hit the subscribe button. Hitting the notification bell will also alert YouTube to send you a notice whenever we post new content, which we do two or three times a week. Alrighty, Lynn, so if you were running this show, <laughs> what other controls would you have put in place to prevent this? Well, we know we have to start with separation of duties. We, you know, talk about that till we're blue in the face. Uh, as we just mentioned, there are different reports that someone other than the, the program administrator should be actively reviewing. There should be appropriate oversight by this person's, uh, the, the program administrator's boss as to what their employee is doing. And I know we said uh, that person left and they didn't replace that person. Well, he still reported to somebody. So, right. you know, it's up to an organization to figure it out. And also, you know, sometimes organizations get so focused on transaction auditing, mm -hmm. and if they were using the data that he was providing, remember he was falsifying data, um, adding transactions, you know, changing things, that wouldn't have helped. You have to go back to the source. Um, but also look at the whole process. You know, so now I'm going back to this whole concept of doing a risk assessment or a risk analysis of the program. And that uncovers things like separation of duties. Is someone verifying the grand total uh, as well as some of the details before they're paying the issuer. For example, looking at the top suppliers used um, based on what the card issuer system says and comparing it to what your internal system says. So there has to be some comparisons there. Uh, so maybe now's the time to bring up um, that other report that I, I alluded to. If you don't have a third-party auditing solution, you can use a basic tool like Microsoft Excel 
where you could be, uh, you know, getting a, an Excel file CSV uh, from the card issuer system. You can be pulling something similar from your internal systems. If you combine those together and then do, uh, you know, one of the options in Excel is conditional formatting. Right. And you can have it highlight the duplicate values, like in the merchant column, the supplier column. And, you know, then theoretically, everything should be a duplicate. If you've got, you know, the, all the same suppliers on, on both, um, from both systems, if anything is not a duplicate, then this would highlight someone has manipulated or changed the data. You know, so once you have it highlight duplicates, then you can sort by a cell color. It's not like you have to hunt and peck right. through everything to find what what's um, what's different. But using tools like that um, will really you know get you to where there are some discrepancies, we'll say, between those two systems, and that could have uncovered what he was doing right away if it was done every month. So, Lynn, uh, we have a, a a broadcast on using conditional formatting, and I'll link to it in the description Perfect. if anybody wants to okay. take a quick look. All right, Lynn. So now I know some organizations do credit checks when they hire new employees, but I'm thinking that might not have helped here, because do, do any companies do ongoing credit checks? That's a good question. Um, you know, some organizations that I have worked with say they only do credit checks um, if someone is in a position that handles money or handles payments, which would have applied in this particular case. But still, um, it doesn't always mean anything. I mean, Correct. I know people who have a poor credit rating and it's a result of, you know, like a family dynamic, like right. a divorce or something like that. And, and medical bills. Mean, exactly. I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, they're a risk. Um, now, would this gentleman's, uh, you know, severe gambling issues have come up? Maybe. I mean, I don't think it, it hurts to do a credit check on people that are handling funds, handling payments, but you have to be careful about um, jumping to conclusions. You know, just very and work with your HR that. department okay. to make sure you dot all the t uh, dot all the i's and cross all the t's about the right way to do this. Yes, you have to get their buy-in. Make sure you're doing it appropriately. You can't just have one person act, oh, they have a bad credit rating, we right. can't hire them. You know, you have to have, like a script, you have to have, you know, what are you gonna do in these different situations? So you also have a very consistent response to what you're finding. Whether you're talking about credit check results or even audit results, mm -hmm. um, you can't just jump to conclusions. You need a very uh, meth uh, methodical way of approaching it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes organizations just jump right in and think someone's committing fraud and. You have to be careful. You could ultimately say or do something that would harm uh, like a criminal case if you so right. want to be building one down the road. So right. don't just um, start accusing somebody or you know, jumping and, and going rogue. You're right, or even worse, you alert the criminal and they destroy all the evidence. Right, exactly. So yeah. you know, be very careful, um, have a plan in, in place that you can turn to when these uh, situations arise. All right. So as mentioned several times during this, this session is a follow-up to an initial talk Lynn did with me um, actually last week. This case highlights some very interesting control weaknesses, one of which revolves around regular card audits, which Lynn has also mentioned several times. Lynn joined us recently to discuss card audits in more detail and of course last week to talk about this case. Links to both of these programs should have appeared on your YouTube screen and are in your description. Protect your organization by watching both of them right now. Good luck.